Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life Bridge Online. Whenever it is that you're watching this, we are grateful that you are tuning in and allowing us to be part of your life. You know, this week we are experiencing the typical Alabama winter. One minute it is certainly cold and frigid outside and it's dreary, and the next minute it is 66 degrees and sunny outside. Uh, this morning it, it was raining and it was cold. As I look out the window right now as I'm recording this, it, it's a beautiful day and it is sunny outside. This week is a shortened week as far as the sermon prep goes. Uh, I, I'm having to study and craft and record all of this in one day because of some traveling that is going on in, in my life. And Lord willing, when you listen and watch this, I'll be back home getting ready for the next week's sermon. So because of that, I just want to share a few thoughts with you on our journey together through the book Core 52. And, and I hope that you are making a valiant effort to accomplish two of the personal growth assignments each week. See, the Core 52 book is more than just the reading of the essays. Those are certainly strong. Uh, I've enjoyed every single one of them so far. But then there's some daily exercises that are to take place Tuesday through Friday. And I hope that you are making an effort on at least two in particular. I'll say it that way. Uh, the memorization and the meditation. As good as Mark Moore's writing is, uh, scripture knowledge and dwelling and spending and being in the Word of God is always going to be more beneficial. And so these two disciplines are foreign to a lot of Christians. Um, scripture memorization, it's hard. It's, it's not pleasant. Rarely is it even fun. Uh, and so it's one of those things that, hey, we know we should do it. And, and if you grew up in church, uh, you grew up going to camp and VBSs, then it was, it was put upon you to do it. But as adults, very few of us actually take and make the effort to, to memorize Scripture. But being able to recall Scripture is beneficial to life. First off, you're exercising the brain, which is, has its benefits. Okay, that, that needs to happen. We need to exercise our brains. We need to read more. Uh, every bit of this is healthy for us when it comes to just the physical, but certainly the spiritual and the spiritual battles that wage uh, are waged against us. And so as we want to hide God's word in our heart, scripture memorization is a great way to be able to do that. The other discipline is the meditation exercise. And meditation is seldom used because meditation takes time. Meditation forces us to slow down. Meditation forces us to sit in solitude and in silence. And it forces us to listen. And all of those, believe it or not, are make us, some of us feel uncomfortable. We, we don't like doing those things, especially on a regular basis. And I, I get it. Every, every mom out there is like, oh no, I would love to have some silence and I would love to have some solitude and I would love to have the opportunity to just to listen and have somebody to listen to me. And meditation forces all of us to do those things. 
And when we do this, when we do these things, God's going to speak to you in ways that he's never done before. As you sit and you start meditating slowly and you're chewing on his word and you're absorbing it in, instead of just getting it in a, in a teaching format like this or the listening to, to the uh, word being read to you or you reading it, when you meditate and when you chew on this, then God speaks to us in different ways. And here's the other thing. With this practice of meditation and memorization, because they both take time, the stress levels go down because it forces us to slow down. And so I believe that these disciplines are extremely important when it comes to fostering a healthy relationship with God. And so let this Core 52 experience be more than just the reading of the essays and hopefully listening to the sermons. Let this Core 52 journey be one where you are willing to, to exercise the brain. You're, you're willing to put forth the effort to try to memorize scripture, you're going to put forth the effort to meditate on the word of God. Let's pray and then we're going to dive into the topic of at, at hand and that is holiness. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for today and we thank you that God, no matter when we're listening to this, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what day of the week it is, you can still speak to us. And God, we know that there is power found in your word. There's authority in your word. There is encouragement that comes. There's rebuke. There's correction. All of these things happen, God, when, when we are in your word. And so I pray, God, no matter where we are, whether we're driving down the road or doing tasks around the house, that as we take a few moments today and we get into your word, it speaks into our lives and it meets us where we are. And may we be holy as you are holy. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. So if you picked up from the prayer this week, we are in week five of our Core 52 journey, and it is a discussion about holiness. Now, I looked at the last time I preached on the theme of holiness. We were doing the attributes of God, and I had nine pages of notes uh, on the topic, on the study of the theme of holiness, if you will. And there's so much that can be said. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, we could actually do sermon series on the topic of holiness. But I want today to just share a few thoughts with you. Now, as you get into the Core 52 study, I want you to know that this is not a chronological walk through the Bible. However, as you get into the first five weeks, it sure seems like a chronological walk through Scripture. Last week, if you're following along, we looked at the covenant that God made with Abraham. And in the agreement was God informing Abraham that his offspring would be numerous. It would be as bountiful and plentiful as the stars, but that for a period of time, his people, his lineage would be oppressed and they would live as slaves in a foreign land for up to 400 years. And so today, when we pick up this topic of holiness, we pick up where God is giving instruction to this, liberate, this liberated people 
who are no longer in slavery. So when we read our passages today, we know that at least 400 years has passed since the covenant with Abraham. And God has freed the Israelites for a purpose. God set this whole thing in motion. He had a plan and God has freed the Israelites for a purpose. And we alluded to that just a little bit last week. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Leviticus. I know it's one of those books that most of us try to avoid. But there's a very powerful verse, and it's very informative, that lasts not just here, but, but we even know that, that Peter mentions it. And Paul writes about this very thing. And so Leviticus eleven forty five, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. So that's this week's memory verse. That's what we are to be memorizing. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. God is instructing this massive nation of people who are wandering in the wilderness he is about to set them up in the promised land and he declares to them, you shall be holy because I am holy. So he's already done the Pharaoh thing. The plagues are behind us. We've crossed the Red Sea. We've done all of that. We're now in the wilderness. We, we are going to go into the promised land. And God says, I'm the one who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And I want you to be holy because I am holy. So let's wrap our minds around what God is saying to this nation. What is it that makes an object or a person holy? Well, Mark Moore explains it this way. Holiness happens when God takes ordinary objects and claims them for his purpose. For example, an ordinary plot of ground can become sacred if God shows up there. An ordinary animal set aside for sacrifice suddenly becomes consecrated. A person elected by God becomes a priest or a prophet. These become sacred not because their nature becomes different, but because their purpose becomes different. You know, the popular thought in Christian circles is that holiness is something that we strive for. We work towards holiness. And there's this notion that when I strive to be good, when I, when I do the things that I am supposed to do, when I am honest on my taxes, and, and when I pay everything on time, and when I'm completely 100% honest with my neighbor about what happened here and there, when we do the things that we are supposed to do, there's this notion in Christian circles that I am becoming holy. When I go to church 52 Sundays out of the year, when I participate in my small group, when I participate in, in Sunday school, when I actually give 10% or even a little bit more, when I do these things, when I do all this work, I am achieving holiness or I am moving toward holiness. But here's the thing. Holiness happens when God claims you for his purpose. This is what God is doing with this Hebrew nation when we read in Leviticus. 
He is claiming them for his purpose. He went into Egypt as this group of people lived under the rule of Pharaoh, and he claimed them for his purpose. He desires to set them up in the promised land, the land that he spoke to Abraham and said, I'm going to let these people go into slavery. They're going to be oppressed. And then I'm going to bring them back to this land right here. I'm going to bring them back so that they will live set apart from others, but for others. That's the covenant. God had this whole thing working and this whole thing brewing. He desires to set them up in the promised land to live a holy life, to be away from others, but to live it for others. Holiness is something that we receive from God. It's not something we achieve. It's not something that all of our efforts working and, and striving happens. Holiness happens because of God. So how does this happen? What does this even look like when we say that it's not something that we achieve, but it's something that we receive? Well, I'm glad you are thinking along those same lines. The work of holiness begins when the Holy Spirit begins to live within us. That, that, that's how the work, that's when the work begins. As we surrender our lives to the Lord, Upon baptism, the Bible tells us that we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us. This is a conversation that Jesus had with the disciples. He's like, hey, I'm going to be going away from you for a while. And I, but I'm going to leave you something. And Jesus tells the disciples this. I'm going to leave you something better than me. It's this paraclete. It's this helper. The Holy Spirit is a helper. It's a helper that we need in us to navigate life. So what exactly, how exact, exactly does the Holy Spirit help us? Why do I need a helper? I've got the Bible. I've got my church friends. I've got my church family. I've got all the interactions of church. I got. I, I, why do I need a helper? The Holy Spirit, the helper, if we allow helps us to become like Jesus. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is for us to become like Jesus. And so holiness is this sanctifying process of us becoming more like God. You, you see holiness defined in many different ways, but I want you to kind of wrap your mind around that thought right there, that holiness is the sanctifying process of us becoming more like Jesus. And the New Testament is very clear that we are to become more like Jesus, right? I mean, just a few weeks ago, we, we were going through the creation story, and we, and we talked about how in Genesis 1, right, uh, God said, let us make man in our image to be like us, that we are created to be like God. Well, that, that thought process doesn't escape. In the New Testament is certainly full of scripture passages. Let me just share with you two. Ephesians 4.24, one of my favorites. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I use that a lot because it just emphasizes, and Paul is stressing to the church at Ephesus, 
that we are to, as we die to self, we have this new nature. We're these new creations. We are created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, don't miss this, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, that's the Spirit living in us, dwelling in us, that's the Holy Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And so holiness, as we say, the, is, is this sanctifying process of us becoming like Jesus. And so the next thing I would say about holiness is that it is the destination of our journey in this life. Yeah, what's that even mean, right? Destination of our journey. Every journey has a destination. Uh, in a few minutes, when this is wrapped up, I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to I'm going to drive to Knoxville. I have a destination on the journey before me this afternoon. Every journey has a destination. Your life is that very thing. It, it it's a journey. Holiness is our destination on the journey of life. Holiness, as as stated. A couple of times because I want this to sink in with you. Holiness is the sanctifying process of becoming like Jesus. Your destination in this life, church, isn't a great retirement. The destination isn't to live the American dream to the fullest. The destination isn't to have as many grandkids as you can possibly have. Those things aren't bad in and of themselves. But as a follower of Jesus, the destination is so much more. The destination is Christ-likeness. And so as we close out these few thoughts on holiness, I want you to think about what Paul said to the church at Galatia. In chapter 2, he wrote, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Paul tells them that I no longer live for me. I no longer live for Paul, but Christ living in me. I live for Christ. So I live this earthly life, he, he writes, by trusting in the Son of God who loves me and who gave himself for me. And here's the thing, church. Until I am willing to crucify, until I am willing to die to my earthly desires, I will always hinder the work of the Holy Spirit working in me to become like Jesus, to be holy. Do not, church, please do not treat the grace of God 
as meaningless as he just wrote. I close with this prayer. I close with this thought from Charles Spurgeon. I have now concentrated all my prayers into one. And that one prayer is this, that I may die to self and live holy to him. And that's my prayer for you this week. Till next week, we'll see you. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are.